Everybody, 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 drop your buff, stop, 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 Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I'm Evan Ross Katz. And we're here with a very special episode, a post uh, <laughs> a post-mortem <laughs> on Survivor 44. We usually don't sort of talk about a season after it's done because, well, we've dealt with seasons 41, 42, and 43. But here we have a great season of Survivor, and I think we have more to say. It's always tricky, I think, when we're recapping a finale. I find finale recaps really tricky because, like I said last time, it's like, well, what's there to talk about? Jam Jam won. Carolyn didn't. What do we want to talk about here? Uh, And so (laughs) I think that giving ourselves some time to think about the uh, the way that the season concluded and then who our winner is and where that winner fits in in the broader Survivor pantheon is like a healthy way to approach this because I think neither of us really had like fully formed thoughts on Jam Jam as the winner because we were so on the Carolyn train. And so we wanted to revisit this, but we also wanted to open this up to listeners to ask us some questions and provide uh, their input on Survivor 44. And we were totally overwhelmed with voicemails. I love our listeners to the point where we're not going to get to them all. And I apologize to those who we're not going to get to, but uh, we're going to try to go through as many of them as possible. But before we do that, we have to recognize that yesterday was... (laughs) Do you want to say something? No, no, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Before we do that, I want to recognize that yesterday marked the 23rd anniversary of Survivor's premiere. Uh, Survivor premiered May 31st, 2000. And so it turns 23 years old, the iconic Survivor Borneo. There was such an outpouring online uh, for this anniversary. There usually isn't. And it's not like a milestone. It's not 25. But there seems to be a swell of love for Survivor. And maybe that's coming off of Survivor 44. But Evan, what uh, do you have to say about Survivor turning 23 years old, still being on the air and still being talked about? Well, I think it's like holy has to do with season 44. And all I can think is like, God, I wish season 44 was season 41. It's like, this is the energy we needed coming out of COVID because like I said, this to me is solely brought on by 44. But had we used like all of that momentum that was built up during lockdown and the idea of like all of the people that were either discovering or rewatching seasons one through 40 combined with the return of this great show, what we could have had. But at the end of the day, I'm grateful. You know, it took us a few seasons to get there, but I think that we got there with 44. I do think that there's like a little bit of recency bias as far as like, I don't think 44 is a, this. well, this is a conversation for another day, but I don't think... 44 44 is certainly not a top 10 season. I don't think it's a top 15 season. I think the real question for us to hash out at some point is whether or not it's a top 20 season. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but with that in mind, I still think that there's something that you and I share, and I imagine a lot of our listeners were a kind of malaise about New Era Survivor, and this sort of bucked a lot of our dare I say, apathy about the show and made us say like, oh, 
even when the show swerves or is not my survivor, as we say, um, it is still a survivor. Um, there are so many parallels <laughs> with survivor right now. And, and just like that, because it's like <laughs> old school survivor is sex in the city. And then like new era survivor isn't just like that. And it's like, has these like relics of its past being, but you're like, wait a minute, Miranda wouldn't do that. Um, so yeah, I, I think more than anything, I, I agree with you. I saw tons of people talking about it online. There seems to just be a great, not only love for Survivor, but a respect for not only being this early, uh, if not one of the earliest reality, like big reality competition series, but also one that feels like it's still relevant. I mean, when you look at like, comparable shows which i guess like top model for instance it's like i don't think many people were watching top model by the end and the quality certainly was no longer there i mean there's a reason why tyra bowed out before before it ended um which by the way top model's not canceled it's just not on the air it's <laughs> strangely not canceled anyway so yeah i just think it's it's a great opportunity to look back and say like this show was great and it's got an incredible legacy i mean in the words of valerie cherish it started it all started it all yeah truly yeah it's been really nice to look back on people's memories of borneo and their love for borneo because borneo so often gets lost in the sauce i think when people are talking about their favorite survivor seasons because it is so unique uh in survivor in the way that it's filmed in the way that it's played in terms of the cast everything is sort of unique about season one and so i think people sort of put it to the side when they're discussing their favorite seasons of survivor and I've always thought that that's a real injustice to season one because season one is a piece of art. And we just recapped it all on our Patreon. And it was really fun to rewatch it and recap it. Yeah, we came to, you know, realize oh, it's got some lulls in it, um, but there really is nothing else like it. And without it, we would have none of the following survivors, obviously, but also this boom of reality TV where we had Big Brother and The Amazing Race and all these, I, I think even like the, the, talent competition shows like you know i saw this list i think um i can't remember who put this out but they put the most watched reality shows of like the current season and it's american idol the voice and then survivor so like first of all i can't believe people are still watching american idol in the voice like that's wild <laughs> but and i think that's where it's a little different where like you say survivor's still relevant like i don't see american idol in the voice as relevant because they're not producing stars and it's not to yep. say the survivor is not producing stars but it's a, it's a different end game here like you you do have a winner and you get good gameplay and you get good game players you get good characters and so i do see it as a little different so when i look at that i, I was surprised to see that survivor was the the top rated sort of like non-talent uh reality show but credit largely to the fandom and less the show for really corralling around this show and giving it relevancy 23 years later and coming out in droves and creating this cottage industry around this show that is incredibly unique i think it you see it a lot today i mean i think the most lateral example is like with drag race or something um but drag race gets a lot of support <laughs> from its network mm -hmm. <laughs> from, from the people who make it and so survivor is there's a scrappiness around this fandom in recognizing that the show is not going to take care of the fans beyond just the production of the show. So they have to come together and put on watch parties and put on live podcast tapings and do all of the things that the fans and, and these, you know, 
these websites and these listicles and these interviews and what have you are a podcast, um, if I didn't already mention, basically to say like, hey, we love this show and we want to talk about it. I mean, there's a reason why you get these, you know, five hour why so-and-so should have won podcasts that people listen to. Yeah. And I loved seeing the season one contestants who are on social media posting about it. I mean, Kelly Wigglesworth coming out of nowhere to post about Survivor. She so rarely acknowledges it. But I mean, according to her, she's never seen an episode, uh, which I think is a bold-faced lie. And uh, uh, Jenna Lewis uh, uh, replied to my comment on her uh, post about it. It's closest I've ever gotten to Jenna Lewis. And Jervis posted about it. So it's nice to see those who are, you know, still from that legacy cast, that iconic cast to me, still acknowledging it and recognizing it. Great photo choice for Kelly as well. Now, let me ask you this before we move on to 44. You know, we're two years out from the 25th anniversary of the show. If the show were to celebrate the 25th anniversary, and that's that's a big if, would you want to see them focused more on Borneo for the 25th anniversary, or would you want something more holistic in terms of, you know, addressing the 45 or however many, or 48 or whatever number they're at by that point? Uh, I, I mean, I would love a retrospective on Borneo. Obviously, I would watch that any day if they did like a documentary about Borneo. I would be watching the hell out of that. But I don't think that that's likely. And I actually would be down to watch a holistic uh, something about it. Like, I I really think that, yeah, they've done specials before. I think they did a special before Heroes vs. Villains. I think they did a special around season 30, uh, which they were probably just trying to distract from that season. And I, I don't know if they did anything for... 40, but 25 seems to be like a significant uh, anniversary and one that's been celebrated by, you know, everybody from like the Spice Girls to I don't know what else. (laughs) Uh, Sex in the City is celebrating its 25th anniversary this month. But people people like to mark 25. I mean, it's a quarter yeah. century. And so I think it would be a real disservice if they did not recognize it in some way beyond uh, like some awful tweet that they did. I really think there's an opportunity here. Like like the challenge did. Their, I was going to uh, say. Documentary. Like, let's do a documentary. Let's get some. And I do, like, of course, it's going to have the Boston Robs and the Parvities. But like, let's get some like old school but you know, lost people in there. Yeah. But you know, what's funny is it's like, in comparison, it's like the challenge is expanding, right? Like they're like making all these new franchises. It seems like they're adding budget. <laughs> it's like with Survivor, they're like 26 days, pull back as much. We're not changing <laughs> locations. We're expanding to 90 minutes, but without making the game any longer. I feel like uh, as, as, as comparable as the two are, I, I have less hope in Survivor. Yeah. But you know what I, I do have hope in? What? Season 44. Love that. Is that a transition? I just want to say, because I mentioned Jenna's post, that somebody commented under it, like, how can we get you back on Survivors? There's some way we can vote, as if, like, second chance is coming up. <laughs> uh, and she replied, don't know where to vote, but it would probably take Probst being on my side, and we don't really get along. I thought that was interesting. Hmm. <laughs> I would love, obviously we'll never get it. I would love, maybe on his deathbed, Jeff Probst's 10 least favorite contestants of all time. <laughs> you know, you it'd be really fun. They are. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. 
Okay, well, let's get into some voicemails because, like I said, we have so many and so many I want to get to. Everybody really nailed the assignment here because we we like thought, oh, we're going to do a postmortem. Like, let's come up with topics to talk about and let's do a call out for voicemails. Well, everybody brought up every topic and more that I wanted to talk about. So we're just going to do that format. So let's get it kicked off with this one specifically for Evan. Hi, Drop Your Buffs. I am Benor from Nigeria, but currently living in Pennsylvania. And all I want to know is if Evan has made up his mind about Jam Jam or if he has more, you know, well-formed thoughts about Jam Jam as a player and as a winner. Um, Love Drop Your Buffs. Love you both. Um, Thank you. Mm, Love this question. I'd love to know where in Pennsylvania you live. Because I'm always curious if it's like Scranton or Philadelphia or like, you know. A Washington PA, sort of like more of a middle of nowhere. I do have more thoughts. I don't I don't have a ton to add to this. Also, <laughs> I don't think this was meant as that, but I love the read of like, I wonder if he has more well-formed thoughts. Um <laughs> all we'll say, and, and we got a lot of comments about this uh on on our Instagram, and I I definitely want to speak to this, which is that I did make a comment that I thought was not well thought out or well articulated about the social media followings and Mm. pointing out the fact that Carson and Carolyn have much more significant followings. First of all, and (laughs) Evan, um, I don't think that that's something that really should factor into things because I think a lot about that with regard to drag race and all stars eight right now. And the, some of the best Queens on the show are not the popular ones. And that have the best drag do not get the most social media likes. Social media is not the real world. It's not a reflection of the reality competition. It's more a reflection of what society, what society at large upholds. And so I think that I fail to recognize the fact that Carolyn is sort of by and large the star of this show without question. But I think specifically in the specifically in the case of Carson, his being a young white cis male that is more or less conventionally attractive really adds to his social media following. I mean, I know a number of friends of mine who follow Carson who do not watch Survivor (laughs) that follow him strictly in the hope that Sean Cody will call and recruit him one day. So I think it was dumb of me to bring it up as though it sort of is something to factor in. But I also think that I failed to recognize the fact that Jam Jam not having as large of a social media following is notable, but not for the reasons that I was trying to highlight. I think it's notable in sort of showing the fact that um, people like Jam Jam, people that look like Jam Jam, have a harder time than someone that looks like Carson in growing a following more organically. Mm. Um, so I sort of, I, I really do, I, I don't want to apologize because I made that comment. I don't think it was like a, I just think it was a not well-formed or, or, or spoken about comment. And then overall, I would just say, I think with, I, I guess this, again, it just comes down to a sense, but I think that for me, I get a vibe from Jam Jam that he is performing a little bit on the show. Um, and I think that because it's only 26 days, I think had I had more time to get to know him on the show, I might have felt differently. I can only really speak to, and I'm just being honest here, the Jam Jam that I witnessed from the periphery at the watch party and the Jam Jam on my television screen were very, very different. I didn't have a salty interaction with him. He wasn't rude to me. It's nothing like that. It's just that the person that was in front of me that I had my eye on, you have to believe someone like me, I had my eye on Carson, Carolyn, Jam Jam, and Reed all night. Like that was like, Uh I'm watching everything I can, every interaction. And mind you, this is a pressurized situation. So I don't think you should come out of it being like, 
I know Jam Jam having, you know, been 50 feet away from him for an hour and a half. I know him. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying that it felt very different than the person on screen. Whereas Carolyn in some of like these really quiet moments that I witnessed of Carolyn was exactly the Carolyn on my screen. Mm. And again, it's not a demerit to Jam Jam if that is the case, but it's just something that for me leaves me feeling like I don't feel as though I know Jam Jam the way that I want to with a winner. And I stand by what I said last time too, as far as like, I look forward to following more of his exit press and getting to know him more. I think if anything, I'd be more excited about Jam Jam on an all-stars or all-winner season to see what he could do coming back into the game. Yeah, and I think that the show did a poor job of showing us throughout the season why Jam Jam might win because we saw, I mean, like, obviously it was a very, very small tribe and the Tika 3 ended up being the last of their tribe. So that dynamic didn't really matter. They were all sort of like each other's number ones. Um, But when it came to the merge, always, always like... early merge people just trying to get jam jam out and then kind of people not caring about getting jam jam out and so we didn't see like a whole lot of well he's a big threat because he's playing a great social game or we're recognizing that he's kind of pulling the strings for the tika three like we didn't we didn't really get that and so i think the immediate response was like oh that's disappointing because we had like carson who really seemed like the puppet master of the tika three and we had carolyn who was playing this really unique style of game where nobody saw her as a threat um, and yet she was you know making moves and telling the audience what she was thinking and jam jam was just a little bit more like middle of the road and so like i think with a little uh time away from the finale i have changed my mind on like jam jam must have had an incredible social game like that jury coming in and probably talking beforehand that like jam jam is a front runner he had to have had a really, really strong social game and people obviously respected him uh, more maybe than they respected Heidi or Carolyn's games. And I think I missed that a little bit. Maybe that's something that comes out in a rewatch, but I have to hand it to him because he obviously did a good job there. Can I say something briefly to that? I know we have to move on. Yeah. But just one thing real quick is I think that we're seeing all these photos of like all of the cast hanging out now after the fact and these friendships are really getting cemented, which is wonderful. But I think that speaks to the fact that This cast was sort of like, there's more of a, they mesh really well together because Survivor likes casting this dynamic more. Whereas like Rudy and Richard and Susan and Kelly were not all gonna be taking a selfie at the airport had that existed in 2000. And I think it made it harder to have a social game back then because these are people that it seems like they would all be friends in real life had they been brought together. Mm. And it's just that Survivor is the thing that brought them together. Whereas I think back in the day, the old version of Survivor, it was this idea of like, these people are gonna go play this game ferociously and probably never speak again. It was like a rarity when you had these groups like the New York, what do they call the wine and cheese crew that actually kept in touch because my inclination is that most Survivor players back in the day at least, I don't know, now I think it's different, did not keep in touch with anyone outside of maybe one or two people that they really formed solid bonds with. We don't see a lot of these casts hanging out. I think a lot of that was because they lived in different places. It was harder to stay in touch back then. But still, I just think that to maneuver a social game back in the day, because of the way the show used to be cast, I have a lot more regard for a social game back then than I do today because I think it's just easier. 
I do. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, the point of the old school casting was that these people should never come into contact with each other in the real world. And so they have less in common, where I think these people have a lot in common. Exactly. Um, okay, well, let's move on to our next one. Hi, Drop Your Buffs. I'm Ian. I'm from Florida. And my question is, since Jam Jam is our now third openly gay winner, I noticed that all the openly gay winners of Survivor have sat next to women at Final Tribal Council. My question to you is, do you think an openly gay man can be a straight man at Final Tribal Council? Love to hear your thoughts and hear you dissect this question. Uh, Keep up the great work. Bye. This is something I didn't realize. I hadn't thought about this. So we had Richard sitting next to Kelly. We had Todd sitting next to Courtney and Amanda. And we had Jam Jam sitting next to Carolyn and Heidi. I think it's a really interesting question, especially considering that had Carson won that fire making challenge and sat next to Jam Jam and Carolyn in the finale, it seems like the overwhelming, at least fan uh, opinion is that Carson would have won. And like whether that has anything to do with people being I'm straight or gay, I know you are. Uh, <laughs> whether that we're talking about openly gay winners of Survivor here, uh-huh. and uh, if <laughs> stop, I'm sorry, if, sorry. It, <laughs> I don't know that it has anything to do with being gay or straight especially in this new era like i could see talking about this in the old school where uh but although i'm trying to think of an example with todd but it's like who was the like who was the closest there like james um to being in the finale and i still think todd would have beat james um but it's really tricky with such a small pool of examples i mean had richard sat next to rudy rudy would have won uh, but I, I really think that that's based on the dynamic of that season uh, in the same way that I think Todd beating James is based on the dynamic of that season. And I think Carson beating Jam Jam would be based on the dynamic with these new school seasons where they're like overwhelmingly LGBTQ plus. Uh, I don't think it matters as much. I would like to think it doesn't matter as much. I don't know. What do you think? I think it's just, yeah, I agree with everything you said. And I think it's also just very situational based off of, I think it more has to do with who's on the jury than it does Mm. who's on the final three. Yeah. Okay, let's move to the next one. Hi, Sean and Evan. This is Jake from San Diego. And I thought of this survivor version of MFK, but the three options are blindside. Uh, So who would you blindside? Like ruthlessly blindside. I want that twink obliterated. Uh, Two... Who would you make a final two deal with that, like, you would not backstab no matter what? Um, And then three, who would you vote for in the end if you were a jury member? So I guess since we're talking about 44, you can go with the Tika three, uh, which is apparently the most iconic trio um, ever in Survivor. But uh, if you have time, maybe you can talk about the actual most iconic trio being Todd, Courtney, and Amanda. So interested to hear uh, your thoughts. Okay. Mary fuck kill, but not that. We're doing blindside, go to final two, and who would you afford to win? Well, I think the Tika three is easy for me, which is like blindside Carson, go to the final two with Jam Jam and vote for Carolyn to win. Yeah, I don't think there's another option. Yeah. What about Todd, Courtney, and Amanda? Um, Complicated, right? Really complicated. Um, I mean, I think blindside Todd if it's us because then it's gay on gay crime so I think it's a little different (laughs) 
Um, and then wait, what are the, what's the other option? Blindside? Uh, go a final two deal. Final two deal. I think that one's easy. It's got to be Amanda because you know you're going to beat her. <laughs> right, right. But then part of me is like, God, if we could rewrite history and give Amanda I a know. win. I know. How much? Well, that's the thing. Change? Then I'm voting for Courtney to win. Like yeah. if, the, the, if my options are, if I'm not at the final two, then who am I voting for to win? Right. It's Courtney. Okay, yeah. Settled. Yeah, love that. Glad we're on the same page. Okay. Hi, this is Jacob, and I'm from Oakland. And my question is, if the final four fire-making challenge were to be scrapped, and there were now a final two tribal council, what would you want the final three immunity challenge to be? A brand new challenge that has never been done before. What would you want it to be? Thanks. Love the pod. So I'm not like that creative to come up with a new challenge, but I would say that it has to be endurance based. I think that's what made those final three challenges so iconic was it was about how bad you wanted it. Yeah, there's like a little bit of skill involved, like thinking back to the Micronesia final three where they had to hold those rods and balance the balls or even China with uh, Amanda balancing those pieces of China, the bowls and the plates, etc. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's like there, there, you can have some skill involved, but really like I love it being about staying steady and just like holding your ground. Yeah, completely agreed. I also just like new locations. I think it's a big opportunity if the show were to move around as it once did to sort of show off the locations. And mm -hmm. I'm just going to point people to the season one finale of Survivor Australia. If you're looking for the blueprint of a final immunity challenge, I guess it's not really the blueprint considering how late it came. If you want to look at the de facto best final immunity ever played in the history of competitions, it would be that one. Yeah. But okay. that's also lightning in a bottle, but it is what it is. Uh, yeah. Uh, hey, I will say about Australian Survivor, their final threes continue to hold up. Oh, my God. I mean, I've only seen some of those that. challenges. Can I, I tell cried, you not to deviate? That chills. Uh, season two of Survivor Australia is not hitting for me. Anyways, Just get on. through it. Just get through I'm it. I'm trying. Okay. <laughs> You're going to love season four. I'll tell you that. Okay. Well, it's just it's only like 100 episodes away. Okay. Hi, I am Woot. I'm from Brooklyn, and I am just wondering about the sustainability of uh, the fire-making Final Four challenge. Uh, we know that last year, Gabler beat the previous record, and I think something like four minutes till he won fire-making. And then this year, Heidi beat Carson with just three minutes. Um, are we just on a downward slope to see who can make fire in 15 seconds? Are they going to have to kill this challenge? Can they add twists? I it, It's just kind of boring. It doesn't seem to me to make much of a difference in terms of strategy or worthiness to win, but it also feels like it's losing a bit of its uh, oomph. Yeah, thanks. Bye. Does Final Four Fire Making have a life span that is going to continue on to season 50? It's a great question. I think it's one that many people are asking. Here's my proposal, because I'm not anti-fire making. I say you win the final immunity, you're into the end, everyone else goes to fire. Oh, I hate that. I I get it. I get it. I just, uh, it's so 
chance based it feels like i understand yeah, but there's the a one... skill involved but like it just feels really luck based yes but the counterpoint to that is it's like if you know it's coming you have the opportunity it is a skill that like you can learn how to do yeah i know but they get there and it's like on a metal platform it's not even in the sand you know like it is different than well i understand but practice at home uh-huh <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that to me is like one of those, like, if it, you know it is a inevitability of the show. But yes, to the to person asking the question, I, yes, I think it is incumbent on the show in this regard and many to say, hey, if if both the players and the audience know what's coming, let's do our best to try and outwit the players and the audience. Yeah. I have to say- or Wait, is that outsmarting? Around. That's outsmarting. Well, yeah. I've come around to the concept of the final four fire making challenge. Like I do think there's some interesting strategy that goes into like picking who you're going to go to the end with that does harken back to the old final three and picking who you're going to go to final two with. And then that you have this thing that you can't really control. You can put two people in, you can put yourself in like Heidi did and, you know, try to prove a point to the jury uh, there are different ways that you can play it but at the end of the day there is this chance element that you're risking what that final three is going to look like and you have to think about that and you have to watch people for the whole season to see like who's good at fire who's bad at fire like that is kind of interesting i do think it would be more interesting if they mixed it up every now and then so if they really are set on a challenge to win your way into the final three then like, let's do different kinds of challenges. Let's, you know, I, I mean, I don't know which. I don't exactly want to see them build a puzzle. But, like, I don't know, put them in that foot challenge where they have to build a, a tower with their feet uh, or, you know, something like that that's Not like, that. well, I'm not just, I said, I can't come up with new challenges. Yeah. But, like, hopefully it would be a new challenge. Okay, uh, wait, and, can we, okay. sorry, can we put yeah. this out there, though? Like, I'd love to hear... Voice like sorry, I'm inviting more voice, voice memos. But I would love to hear more. Yeah, right. I'd love to hear from you all. Like, what are you? If you were to be in charge of the challenge design in general, like, what are some new challenges you might introduce to the fold? Yeah. Okay. Love that. Or like, bring in the Australian Survivor style like torture challenges, which you haven't quite got there yet, uh, Evan. But they're really wild, and it's really a test of will. And they could be done quickly because they're literally torture. But it's like, how bad do you want this? Let's do that. Let's hurt people. Okay, mm. let's go to the next one. Hi, this is Abby from Pennsylvania, and I was wondering how you think this season stacks up against the other seasons of the new era. I think that this season was really good, but had a shaky pre-merge. I'm seeing a lot of overwhelmingly positive comments about this season, and while it was a good season, I'm not sure it is the best of the new era or will stand the test of time. Let me know what you think. That's a hot take because I think this is far and whatever that phrase is, far and away, far and above the greatest season of the new era. I guess if we were to have a competitor, it would be season 42. But like I've said before, I think just like the post-merge on 42 kind of dragged for me. It got a little game body where this had characters and that's what I come to Survivor for. Yeah. I feel like I don't even know who was on 42. I really don't remember. I, oh, I remember 43 because of how recent it was. Um, yeah. I definitely so don't had, remember. Like, Marianne, Jonathan, Lindsay, Omer, Hi, Romeo, the great Romeo. 
I, I shouldn't talk shit about Romeo because I got in a lot of trouble last time I did that. I don't know if I remember. Wait. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Oh, wait. Sorry. Sorry. Wait, so, sorry. This, never mind. I'm not going to say never. But I remember Romeo who he is, is the now. multi-time no, no, Emmy I remember award who winning he, final three. Contestant. I remember who he is now. I was confusing with him with someone else. But anyway, okay. um, <laughs> moving right along. I would be cur- I guess. Yeah. You and I are in agreement. 44 is the best. I would love like the argument um, in favor of... Why 41, 42, 43 are the superior New Year yeah, season. Me too. Me too. Hi, I'm Nicole from Los Angeles. And my question is whether you think season 44 is going to influence the kinds of people that Survivor casts in the future. In the old era of Survivor, I think we got a greater range of archetypes. We got rebels like Russell Hans, jesters like Johnny Fairplay, heroes like Colby. But now the only archetype we get are survivor super fans so do you think people like jam jam and carolyn are a sign of what's to come or are they just a flash in the pan great question i don't know i hope that survivor recognizes what they had i am not confident that they do recognize what they had here i mean i know they see carolyn as a star i know they see jam jam as a really great confessionalist i don't know that then in their brains they go oh we need to find these like unusual people these like charismatic larger than life people to tell the story and actually i want to raise this point about this barstool sports uh, article that came out that people are talking about on Twitter about it's called how to fix survivor. And they're talking about how a lot of the new era seasons are just sort of like meshing into each other because the casts are so similar that despite this diversity, uh, campaign and diversity initiative that was implemented at CBS of 50% POC casting, that despite that, the casts are more homogenous than ever in terms of their personalities. And people have really been pouncing on this article online, basically calling it racist. And I, I don't know whether the writer like had any uh, b- bad faith motive in writing this article and like they they actually aren't supportive of the diversity campaign. I have no idea about that. But I've been saying this for some time that like it's odd to me that we have our most diverse casts at almost ever in Survivor since uh, Cook Islands and since Fiji. And yet everybody seems kind of similar. And I think that's what was such a breath of fresh air about 44 is that we had some of these like unusual outlier characters. Granted, they're all Survivor super fans, but I think the hope here is that we see people like Carolyn, who is a Survivor super fan, but that's not the defining characteristic about her. And so I'm hopeful that they're like looking at this and saying, okay, like we can find more oddball characters. Maybe we can find like a little bit more uh, mischievous villainous characters who are also big fans of Survivor. They're out there. I mean, look at Natalie Cole on 37 as a great example of just like such an unexpected selection of a player, especially that late into the the show. It's, you know, it's only a, a six years ago at this point she's just such an oddball created iconic television had really authentic friction with people was clearly not a people person which i i I love that quality on a game like this um and you would never look at someone like natalie and think oh she'd be perfect for survivor 
which is in turn what makes her perfect for Survivor. So they definitely have it in them. But to answer the question, I'm not compelled to think that CBS is going to see the reaction to this season or these or these seasons and make any sort of like adjustment outside of the fact that I think that they might try harder to find more Carolyn's, but I actually worry that the effort to find a Carolyn is going to result in I do, I think that will be a failed I'm not actually I shouldn't say it might. I think I worry that it could result in a failed effort because I think that to try and find another Carolyn takes away the idea that like Carolyn is a singular force. You cannot find another Carolyn, but you can identify qualities in Carolyn that you want in other contestants. But I don't necessarily trust that casting, no disrespect, has the acumen to understand those nuances. I think their approach would be, let's find the next Carolyn. And I don't think that's what we need. Well, we've seen them do it before. And granted, it's a new casting team, but we've seen them do it before. You know, we had Coach and then that sort of devolved into getting like a Philip Shepard. Right. right. Like we, it, 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 we sort of dumbed down the character until they were like just sort of almost a two dimensional kooky character. Yes. I also just want to quickly mention too it's like looking at the Franny and Matt relationship, as cute as it is, it's like, it's like they were put on the island to fall in love. Like, of course they would fall in love. They're like the same person, it seems like in so many ways, which is adorable. But it sort of speaks to this sort of homogenous casting that we're speaking to, whereas some of the great love stories, like, I mean, I don't want to, I mean, I guess Robin Amber is a great love story. I mean, that's subjective, <laughs> but like it is. But it's sort of this idea that like, they were not, not that they were like so unexpected, but that like, it wasn't, you didn't look at them and think like, oh, they're going to link up. She wasn't on the island looking for a boyfriend, blah, blah, blah. I guess there's just something about the Franny and Matt thing where it's sort of like, of course they would fall in love. They're meant for each other. And 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 how wonderful that the show brought them together. But I think it's sort of, it, it, it feels there's an inevitability about a lot of these casting. Again, I'm glad that 44 is all hanging out. It's fun to see online in the postseason for sure. But um, I think it just speaks to a conversation we've been having for a while about wanting more villains. And I think that's, yeah. a new, I mean, there's newer, more nuance. It's not just wanting villains. Yeah. But yeah, it's like I, like, I don't think Natalie Cole is a villain per se, um, but I think she's more villainous, more yeah. a villain, you know? And yeah. it's like, yeah, more Natalie she's Cole. She's prickly. She's prickly. Mm. And I think that it's just like we've, we've moved away from casting archetypes. And I miss that. I think that reality TV is based on archetypes. It's based on like having really, really defined personalities that we can say, oh, like she's the loud mouth. He's the dick. He's the jock. She's the hot model. Like it is important to have that. That's really like something that people can grab onto, especially casual viewers. I, I, I can't imagine going to a casual viewer and being like, so on Survivor 43, when we had like, this person and this person and this person, that they would have any clue what I'm talking about. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm underestimating people, but I would like to see more archetypal casting. Okay. Hi, my name is Radit. I'm currently in Melbourne, Australia. And my question is, back in your season 44 cast assessment, you described Carolyn as potential mother, that you were cautiously optimistic about her and that she could be quite polarizing. And then about Carson, you said, you want this twink obliterated. Um, so I just wanted to know what your thoughts are now on this post-season, post-mortem, and whether you still stand by that or have done a full 180. Thank you. Lots of love. 
I love, love, love this question. You know, Sean and I have been going back and forth um, over our voice messages, kind of like identifying. I, oh, I was rather trying to identify to Sean what baby girl is, um, which <laughs> we don't have time to get into. But but that, so I think it's relevant to this conversation. Okay, so I will net out by saying I do not think Carolyn is mother, which is so interesting because I love and adore Carolyn. And yet something I'm not compelled to call her mother. And I don't quite know. I, I don't know what it is, but she's like distinctly not mother. Her qualities do not comply with motherdom. They don't, they're not mothering. No. Do you think of Carolyn as mother? It would just never be a word I would think to ascribe to her. No, agreed. And I think there's, because there's something about Carolyn that is, uh, I feel mother, even though I can say mother about someone who's younger than me, um, I do feel like there's something that like you, like, uh, I, I want to say like look up to mother, but that's not true because I do look up to Carolyn and and I don't look up to all mothers. Um, so it's, I don't know. I did, like, I can't quite put my finger on it, but I think of Carolyn more as like the person I would like really want to talk to at a dinner party. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. she's the person I want to be around where mother is like, I want them at arm's length a little bit because I don't want it to, I don't want any of my interactions to affect their motherdom. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. it's more of like, I'm going to hold mother on a pedestal. I don't hold Carolyn on a pedestal. I love Carolyn. I want to hang out with Carolyn. Yes. I want Carolyn on this podcast. Yeah, me too. Let's talk to CBS about that and get back to them in a year. <clears throat> um, and then with regards to thoughts on Carson, do we do we want this twink obliterated? <laughs> yeah, I will. Look, I have to say, because that was my comment. And um, look, I hate cast assessments. I've decided I don't want to do them anymore. Like maybe we will, but it's going to be Patreon only because it's not fair. I have no information about these people. All I knew about Carson was that he was like this twink presenting straight 21 year old who was selling merch of pillows with his face on them. And that drove me up the wall. And uh, that's not something that I should base my opinions on. And because I got to know Carson and I think that he's like an interesting, thoughtful, caring young man who's oh, also yeah, yeah. like, you know, like, no, I, th I think he had some very tender moments. I mean, that moment with Jam Jam when Jam Jam's teaching him how to do the fire, I thought was like beautiful. And uh, the, you know, the moment where Carolyn tells him that she's got an idol and she's going to play it for him. Like, like he, he, I think he's like a well-rounded human being and uh, I misjudged him. And did I do a 180? I mean, this is the thing. It's like, I don't know that I love Carson, but I've got respect for Carson and I would like to see him play again. All right. Hi, Sean and Evan. Zach from Denver, and my question is, as we settle into New Era Survivor, at this point, do you really want to see veteran pre-season 40 Survivor players mixed in with New Era players? Part of me thinks it's interesting, and part of me gets the ick. What are your thoughts? Okay, the concept of a returning player season where we have old schoolers mixed with New Era contestants do we want to see it um a hundred percent yes what, I, what, what's i i'm confused what's well the i i i mean i would have assumed like do you like do you have hesitation about like mixing these new era people with some people that you love like let's imagine courtney yates and todd are coming back are they gonna play with like carson and shan 
It really depends because like there are a number of, okay, I think we always have to go back to Parvati's first season and consider Mm -hmm. the fact that not everyone shines bright their first time out. I think there are so many players, like I think about Maddie on 44 as a great example of someone that like, I would be so curious to see what she would bring. And like the idea of like Maddie linking up with like Courtney and Todd could be super fun. Also think about the fact that like Natalie Bolton, when she came in at the end of Micronesia, she was essentially quote unquote new era linking up with the legends. And like it worked out in the end, right? I'll be at briefly. So I'm all for that. I think it would just be, I think where I might deviate is whose survivor might consider their legends of the modern era Like, Mm -hmm. I think they would want to bring, like, your boy Jonathan back, for instance. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I'm good. So I'm all for this concept, but I just think we need to be ultra-selective about the players that we bring back from New Era. Yeah. He's not my boy. Well, you really liked him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I did. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Yeah, and thank you for bringing up Maddie, because I really do think Maddie needs to come back. Like, that was great, great, great casting, and what a shame. Like, Francesca got another chance. Give Maddie another yeah, chance. Yeah, same thing with, um, oh, my God. the Lydia, Lydia Chlamydia. Another oh, yeah, great example of, of, like, I want more time with her because I didn't really get to know her on the show. Yeah. Okay. This one's a little tricky. Hi, Sean and Evan. I'm Mac from South Africa, and my question is, who from the cast of Survivor 44 wins the inaugural Azra Vellani Award for having their social media impact far outweigh their impact on the show they just appeared on? <laughs> oh, this is my iconic. God. Oh, my God. I have to say, like, you know how, like, all podcasts have, like, podcast lore? You know what I mean? Like, I'm thinking about, like, Lost Culturistas with, like, the Katie's and the publicists and whatnot. And it's, like, with Drop Your Bus, it's, like, if you know about Azra. Also, I, that episode is so unhinged in the best way. Um, <laughs> I mean, I feel like we got to hand it over to our girl Maddie once again. I feel like Maddie yes. really cemented her the legend of maddie it's like she kind of said hey i'm not gonna be on the show you know what it is for anyone watching drag race all stars 8 they have this thing that they're doing called the fame games which when you're voted out of all stars 8 you can still you're given the opportunity to show off your runways both on the show but then also on social media and then people can vote and you win 50k i feel like if survivor had the fame games which is basically the azra award uh i'm giving it to maddie Okay, I'm so glad you said Maddie because that was my pick too because I think that the big social media stars are also the stars of the season and so it doesn't quite fit the award description. But Maddie made no impact on Survivor (laughs) and yet she made a huge impact on me and it's not that her social media is like wilding like like Azra's but I'm I'm keeping an eye on her social media to the point where yesterday she posted her pictures from Ponderosa. I screenshotted one, posted it of the four girls in the pre-merge, uh, Maddie, Sarah, Helen, and Claire. And the most wild thing happened. And that is that at the exact same moment, Maddie liked the photo at the exact same moment that Azra Vellani liked the photo. Oh my God. So um, have we ever seen them in the same room together? No. We need to like officially like give her this award. We have to like make it in some way. Also, sorry, briefly, <laughs> can we talk about the quality of the Ponderosa videos? 
<laughs> they really basically were like, we, they were like gonna hand them a hundred dollar budget, and then they took the hundred dollar bill and they were like, actually, we need this, no budget. Yeah, we need we need this to like tip the cleaning staff. So it's really wild that like the it's giving like iPhone four. It's giving like a uh, hostage video. Yes, distinctly. Yeah. Okay. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> Okay, congratulations, Maddie, on winning the Azra Vellani Award for social media. Let's go to the next one. Hey, Sean and Evan, it's Fraser from PEI. What is our greatest hope for the extra 30 minutes we're going to get with the 90-minute episodes as of this fall? Are we wanting to see more camp life and survival? More perspectives on each round of voting? Maybe some high-gloss Australian Survivor-style uh, backstories to the players in lieu of the kind of... Uh, slideshow clip art narratives and sob stories uh let me know what your hopes are for the extra time thanks for a great season is that a great season of survivor or great season of drop your buffs <laughs> well i hope he's not thanking us for a great season of survivor because we oh, did nothing so we did a great season of drop your buffs oh thank you thank you um I don't know, but what comes to mind for me is I would I'd like them to expand the reward challenges and have there be more fun challenges, a la the auction, sure. But also just thinking about those ones when they used to like vote on like who's the player that's like the most likely to, you know, uh, start a fight. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So like just uh just elongated reward challenges that are more fun or like you know, we, we've talked about it before, but we love the one that was like, there's going to be a plane flying overhead. Mm-hmm. You need to like make a, what is it? Make like, an SOS signal. Make an SOS signal. And it's like, that to me, like, you can get 20 minutes out of that at least. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, or, for me. Or like in All Stars where it's like, build a, build a shelter and we're going to have some guy come and check how good it is. Oh, that led to kiss. so much drama. I mean, Absolutely. Rupert's underground shelter. Yes. So I would say rather than Camp Life, because I think Camp Life is so dependent on the cast and I think that's relying too heavily on them. I think we need to be more active in the variables we're putting in the game. And to me, that can be via the reward challenges. What I hope for is that's great. I love that idea. Um, But what I hope for is more sort of like organic storytelling. So for example, we had... uh, We've had some really great sequences to get to know people where, uh, for example, in this season, Carolyn opens up about her addiction journey. And I think she had been talking about that for some time, but it was sort of like just post-merge and she's meeting all these other people from other tribes. And then it's a moment and has a segment very similar to the segment where uh, Ricard talked about uh, his uh, being hard of hearing and being deaf in one ear. And it was it was a segment and it was a nice segment. But I feel like with more time, we can see those stories be discussed in more organic ways. So when you're first meeting your tribe and then after merge, oh, now there's new people to talk to. And I think Australian Survivor does that really, really well, where you get to know people through the conversations they're having as opposed through as opposed to having a three-minute segment where the person is narrating through a talking head and then you're seeing a little bit of the conversation and then you get backstory and then we never bring it up again. Um, I think that there's a lot of opportunity for that just in just in getting like one extra camp scene per week even yeah. just to have it just like natural chit chatting with each other that's not about strategy so that's what i hope for is am i, I going to get it i kind of doubt it <laughs> i still can't get over the azra award hello this is joe from montreal and my question is 
can we anticipate the return of the Survivor intro, you know, with the music and the really beautiful dramatic shots of our contestants, especially with these 90-minute episodes coming up? Now there's an idea. That's a great idea. And I have to say, I after the finale and before we recorded our recap, I, and I mentioned last week that I did not watch the reunion. Well, I've since watched the reunion and the nothing to report there, but... After the reunion, the whole end credit sequence is like a new version of Ancient Voices. And so it's like they have the song. They've like made the song. It's interesting. It sounds great. It's like nostalgic, but new and fresh. Let's just spend 20 minutes putting some shots together and putting names on a screen because fans have been doing this for years online uh, and they look great. And so imagine what Survivor could pull off. I feel like with 90 minutes, there is really no excuse not to bring back the intro. And intros are having such a renaissance right now with the White Lotus intro, people talk about the succession intro, like Oh my Game God. of Thrones really brought back the intro. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so um, I feel like now is the time. Yes, I have had the, um, I have been listening to the Six Feet Under intro. I love that intro. I really feel like it's such a precursor to the Succession one in terms of like, it really changes up. Like, I'm not in the 11th hour, but like in the 10th hour. It's like, (laughs) you thought you know this theme, we're switching it up. Yeah. Oh my God, and also the Six Feet Under intro, it like, it evokes all the visuals from the, the, the intro. I can like see them in my head. Do you know that's my favorite show of all time? I didn't know that. Yeah. Speaking Did you of know feet, what? <laughs> Alan Parker was going to direct a show with Sarah Michelle Gellar in 2011 for HBO called The Wonderfulities. Um, and it no, but go. this is what I've been saying. This is what I've been saying. Sarah Michelle Gellar needs. Yeah. She needs her HBO prestige show. <sighs> so what happened? I don't know. It didn't. It didn't go. Didn't get picked up for whatever reason. Well, I, I don't know. You know people. Can you call them? I can try. Casey Bloys. Okay, Hello. Um. Speaking of six feet under, I have to say that Sia awarded her money, and she gave Carolyn a hundred thousand dollars. But not only did she give Carolyn a hundred thousand dollars, she gave it to her on our app. Survivor. <laughs> Survivor is so out of the game now that they're not bothering. Like they, <laughs> they used to do like a, a nice real on instagram and it's like, like they Drea have their own money. they have their own podcast now yeah truly yeah she also Jeff. sia was on camera to present to carolyn right mm-hmm. but then off camera for carson and she also gave lauren fifteen thousand. So she gave carson fifteen thousand and lauren fifteen thousand. Oh, it's a little unclear because she was said to carson like i want to help you every year that i can. yeah that was an odd she was like, whenever you need it, I'll be there. And it's like, are you leaving your number? Like, okay, also, so not like, for nothing. I mean, yeah. if you're going to give three people money, why not just divide it out evenly? I think it's sort of weird. The discrepancy uh, between I 115. Lo- I love the discrepancy. No, I, I mean, love the discrepancy. I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Just odd. But also, she famously like continued to give money to Donathan Hurley from Ghost Island. Like she did actually follow up and give him more money in a later year. So like, I think she's she's got the cash. Breathe me. Okay, let's go to this voicemail. 
Hello, I love your podcast, and uh, I'm from Ohio, and my question for you is, do you think the Survivor 44 cast had many options for returnees? If so, who and why? Okay, returnees. I feel like there's some obvious answers here. Keeping on theme with the podcast, I feel like Maddie would be like a great wildcard returnee, as far as someone that we didn't get a lot of time with, that we have the inclination that there was a story there to tell. So that would be my wildcard um, but yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, I would say Carolyn and Carson would be the most obvious returning players, but yeah. then I also think Matt and Franny. Oh. If I had to put my money down, I actually, I mean, I love Franny, but Matt is someone that I feel like I'd be really interested to see come back and play again. Why? I just like his smile. Huh. See, he doesn't do much for me in terms of, like, being a Survivor character. Like, I mm-hmm. feel like there, the talk about Matt was so much bigger than Matt on Survivor. Mm-hmm. And then also, while we're on the subject of returning players, did we ever get to the bottom of why is the other medevac's name Matthew? That was his yeah. name? Yeah. Did we ever get to, like, why he did not get asked back? Is the idea that, like, he got to play some of the game, whereas Bruce got no gameplay, really? Like, I've heard nothing, and it's wild, because I'm far more interested in seeing Matthew play again than Bruce play again, because I don't know Bruce. Like, good for Bruce. It's nice that he gets another shot after getting taken out on day one, but, like, I'm far more invested in Matthew as a character than I am Bruce. And Matthew, like, showed some some... What's the word? Chutzpah? Chutzpah. Does, Does that work? <laughs> like, he, you know, planting that idol for Jamie, which was such a season-long story. And then, I don't know, it just felt like he was pulling Carson in after that tr- swap thing. And I felt like he was sort of like working the game a bit. I would be really curious to see him back. Mm. But I wonder if they count, like, I know they treated it like a medevac, but it was also a quit. And we know Jeff doesn't invite quitters back unless their name is Colton Crumby. Indeed. So I don't know if he's disqualified. But yeah, I like that. Matt, I think my top pick, obviously Carolyn will be back. There's no question about it. I think I think Carolyn's presence may actually uh, give us a returnee season sooner than maybe they had been planning because I think they probably want her back very soon. Um, so that's obvious, but I think Maddie is a great pick and I really don't think it's outside the realm of possibility. No, I don't think so either. And then also just... Um uh what is her name oh sorry claire would be someone else i would love to see return but in all honesty like outside of maybe kane and the other macho guy whose name i don't know i'd be kind of content with anyone from this season coming back yeah me too and also what maddie has going for her is that she is the winner of the inaugural azra valani award for social media do we reach out to Maddie? Do we, first of all, do we make a physical award? Do we send it to Maddie? And do we have Maddie make a video, Ponderosa style, of her accepting the Azra Vellani Award? So the award has to be legs. I think a pretzel made out of <laughs> legs would be good. The problem is I don't know any sort of like metalsmithing or mm-hmm. like craft. Oh, you know, handiwork. there are those um, those people that made me the Jamie Lee Curtis statue that I have. Oh. I could reach out. Or Carson has a 3D printer. Oh, my God. (laughs) I like where your head's at. (laughs) Well, I think there's a lot of potential here, and I I have it on good authority that, you know, Maddie would talk to us. 
So is it my understanding that if we know 45 shot and 46 shoots, so is 46 like shooting right now? Now, huh. I believe. What a bummer. I know. And then, wait, okay, sorry, one quick what? question, sorry. Is it, um, is it our understanding that 46 is the last season that we like are confirmed will be filming in Fiji? I have to go back to that news. I think 46 was the last, as in 47 had to move. I don't know whether they're like working that out, but we did talk about this on a previous recap during 44 that there was news that Survivor's contract with Fiji was not going to be extended past 46. There's been a change in government. Things have become more difficult. Uh, it's a little bit more like, I don't want to say volatile, but it's not as stable of a situation as it was there. And I think they're wanting to, like, Survivor takes up a lot of space, a lot of resorts um, and like actual islands. And so uh, that's what I've heard. If that's the case, like kind of exciting, like maybe we do 47 with a returning cast in a new location. Talk about like, talk about a reboot. Oh my God. Can we move to the next question? Mm -hmm. Hello, my name is Ray. I'm from Portland, Oregon. And my question is, which of the Survivor 44 contestants do you think would be most iconic on a season of RuPaul's Drag Race? I feel like Jam Jam and Carolyn are the obvious answers, but my hot take is that Pittsburgh Heidi would be amazing. Like, did you see her Carolyn cosplay? I didn't. Didn't see Heidi's Carolyn cosplay. I didn't, I didn't. Hmm. So two obvious ones for me, would, I mean, outside of who was named would be Danny would be fun, just because I feel like it's sort of like the- The De Niro snatch you know, game. The idea of seeing this like, oh my God. <laughs> Um, but I also think I would love to see Franny just cause I feel like Franny ah. sort of has that, um, creative, uh, uh the sort of, uh, the je ne sais quoi mm. that is necessary in a drag queen. Okay. Here's like a random pick, but I feel like Josh. Do you remember Josh? I don't, but I do. Um, I'm going to pass <laughs> on that one, but I, but sure. Well, Josh is like, Josh is serving body i feel like he could really strut mm -hmm. the runway i feel like i feel like he could be there's potential are the confessionals gonna pop off i'm not sure but like maybe we get a different personality drag race mm -hmm. is a different environment than survivor so here's what would be fun um they do a challenge on drag race where they like bring in uh people for like a makeover challenge and famously mm -hmm. like yeah. i think it was several seasons ago they brought in like a bunch of teachers. That was a particularly great episode. They've yeah. brought in like vets before queer veterans. So I think it'd be fun if they made the challenge that they bring in, and typically it's in the final five, that they bring in five survivor contestants. And if that were the case, I feel like Jamie would be really, really fun to click. Cause because it when it when it comes mm. down to this, this is more like a drag queen collaborating with someone. And I feel like Jamie's energy yeah. with like Jamie's enthusiasm for life paired with a drag queen would be great energy. Yeah, that's a really good call. I like that. Okay, speaking of survivor locations, let's go to our next voicemail. Hey, Sean and Evan, this is Connor from Los Angeles. And my question for you is, what other locations should Survivor look at? I think we know that Fiji is very stale um, and it's not really working anymore. So just curious, what other locations would you want to see Survivor go to that it hasn't already? Okay, season 47. We have a new location that's never been done before. Where are we going? Do you want me to go first or you want yeah. to go first? I mean, I have ideas. I have thoughts. 
Okay, so like the one that comes to mind straight away, for better or for worse, would be Hawaii. Um, oh. Yeah, I'm just very, I just feel like there are so many parts of Hawaii that are more like people have this perception that Hawaii is like just like beautiful beaches, which it is, but there's just so much forest and so much like natural preserved land within Hawaii that I would just be really, really fascinated if I absolutely had it my way. Well, maybe this is a problematic opinion. So should I, should I not say it? I don't want to say it. (laughs) There is one Island on Hawaii, which is not um, accessible to anyone outside of natives to that Island. And I've always just just been so curious about that Island. So if, if the people of that Island were to sign off on this, I would be right. really curious for them to go and do it. There. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to go bulldoze a uh, preserved Island and yes. uh, set up a challenge space there. Yes. Okay. Great. <laughs> okay. I have some ideas because one, we all know. <laughs> You're like, I've the- got some real ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I I think Hawaii's Hawaii. Now I'm saying it like you. You're good at that. Hawaii. Yeah, but people always like have a reaction to me saying it that way when it's like, I'm just saying the name. No, I know you're saying it right. Now I'm conscious of how I'm saying it. Anyways, I think it's like a great location, but it's America. Yeah. So that's no, a little I, tricky. <laughs> I, I, I realize. Uh, but <laughs> we, <laughs> we all know the famous long lost season of Survivor was intended to be shot season four in Jordan. And I think the Middle East is a fascinating potential location because it's got like pros and cons. And the cons would be that like Africa, it's just a little too hot and desert climate, but you can get like, we can put them in an oasis in the desert. You know, like there are options to make it a little bit more interesting. I've always wanted to see that play out. And there's so much that thematically and culturally could infuse the show with like a new energy and like make a season really unique. I also think just moving a little north, I think we get, there's like so many options for a Mediterranean island, Mm. a Greek island. Oh, uh, wow. Something off the that. coast of Crete. Like, I think there's a lot of options. I love that. That's a really great idea. Um, another idea that came to mind was Peru. I feel like it could oh. be a really, really great environment for it. And yeah. then also, too, just like thinking about, have there, this part of me for not knowing this, are, have, there, have we had seasons in South America? Yeah, of course. So we've had token chains. We've had the Amazon. Oh, wow. So we've had quite a few. Okay. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I, I feel like Argentina could also be a fun. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's been an Argentinian location. Um, but yeah, what's, what's, that, what's that called? Patagonia. Yeah. Oof. Beautiful. You can just see the poster now. Literally. And we haven't done a, like a Caribbean island either. We haven't gone on that side. We haven't gone to the, like, the Atlantic side. Yeah. But I feel like if we're going to change locations entirely, we we get away from the tropical look. Totally. Go inland. I'm just trying to think like I don't know a lot about <laughs> like geography, but it's like so we've done desert, we've done beach, we've done forest. Mm-hmm. Are there other I mean cuz the only other thing that comes to mind is like ice caps, but obviously that creates we don't issues. Want that. But, yeah. But um are there any like terrains? Oh, could we do it like on top of a mountain or is that, I guess that's just so. Yeah. It seems difficult to film. Yeah. Yeah. On top of a mountain. (laughs) (laughs) Survivor Everest. 
Yeah. Like, I don't know. I I do feel like I was surprised and disappointed a little bit that there were opportunities, uh, so many opportunities to film in the United States during COVID. And I feel like you could go to any provincial park and find a really unique location or provincial park, state park, national park, is that a thing? Mm -hmm. Um, Where you could find a really unique location and film there. And it wouldn't even feel like America. Mm -hmm. Death Valley. Joshua Tree. Well, that's what I was sort of going to get at, which is like, I do find the idea of like them going somewhere luxurious without having the luxuries associated with the place to be like actually really like compelling. So it's like Survivor Palm Springs, but they're just like not given accommodations. Like, I think that there's comedy there, but I think that's more of like an SNL sketch than the yeah. season of Survivor. Or when Jerry Manthe takes over the hosting duties, we can do Survivor Napa Valley. Wow. They, they can have a challenge where they're crushing grapes. So what do you do with grapes? You stomp on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can do that. And then it's like first to the certain amount of liquid wins. And then that's the challenge that gets them into the final two or final three in place of fire making. Okay, we've got some, we've got some notes. Let's move to the next one. My name is Jeremy. I'm from Ireland originally, but I live in Brooklyn now. Long time, first time. Uh, and my question is, why are juries these days so intent on having a 7-1-0 winner? Haven't the last three or four seasons, or all the new seasons anyway, all had the same jury-wise? Um, would love to see that as more of a natural vote rather than a group consensus before you even get to tribal. And also, how excited are you guys for the auction coming back next season? Also, I know you kind of addressed in the comments afterwards, but can we get a moment, please, for Carolyn smelling the burps? Iconic queen. So there's three questions here. One is, why are we getting consensus votes at Final Tribal Council? Two is, how do we feel about the auction returning next season? Do you know about this? Yeah. Okay, I just found this out. <laughs> no, you you had mentioned it when we recorded the original recap. I literally didn't mention it because I literally didn't know. But then how would I know about it? You probably heard it on our app. That must be it. That must be it. (laughs) And then the final question was, uh, can we touch on the burping and the breath smelling? Because we actually haven't done that. Yes, that. Yes, 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 yes. That was a big oversight. I appreciate that because we spent so much time on Danny's fart. I felt Mm -hmm. like that was us not doing our due diligence. So Thank you for bringing this to our attention. Yes. Okay, well, let's start there. Do you want to say anything about the burp? Because we had Jam Jam go on one reward, and then when he came back, uh, Carolyn asked first that he burp in her mouth, then she changed it, burp in my nose so I can smell it. So so he did. And then on the last reward where Carson brought Jam Jam, uh, he came back and Carolyn said, let me smell your breath. And so she did, take a big waff of his mouth. Yeah, which is a lot more practical by way of request. Um, Well, now that we're bringing it up, I don't know how much I have to say about it (laughs) other than the fact of like iconographic. If anything, my takeaway is like we need to meme it for the IG. Um, But just a really great authentic moment of bizarre behavior from (laughs) I guess what kind of works so great about it is it's like such a bizarre ask, but it's also so great how Jam Jam's just like, sure, yeah, I'll do it right away. Yeah, here you go. Yeah. And burps are so flavorful. Ew. Like, I, I'm not saying in a good no, way. I, but you're right. No, I'm, I'm noticing the older I get that 
the more burps smell identical to the food you just had that caused oh the God. burp. I don't like this conversation. And the crazy thing about burps is they're not like farts in the sense that you can hold a fart in for dear life. You really, a burp has to come out. You can't hold a burp down. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? True. Yeah. And so it's really tricky to burp in public. There's just something, oh God. Okay. Actually, never mind. Ugh, just like there's, because they can smell as bad as a fart. Well, no, but I also, it's like, uh, <laughs> oh God, I hate that. It's like, there's only so many variations of like what a <laughs> fart's going to smell like. Whereas like a burp, there's so much like, so yeah. many directions that the smell can go that that part that's scary. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, what was the other thing? The auction. So the auction. We're going backwards. We're going. Yeah, we're going sweater? backwards. Okay. We're going backwards. The auction is potentially coming back. Now, this is based on the Survivor 45 preview in which one of the final shots is of a gavel, not a clavel, dropping. Uh, and uh, like, we don't know for sure that that means auction. It could mean God knows what twist, but like we associate that with the survivor auction. And so that's something I missed when I first watched it. I saw it pointed out on our app and I'm feeling pretty good about it. So two things about the auction that make me less excited about it in the new era One, if you'll recall, the auction sort of broke itself, Mm -hmm. which was after so many seasons of it being done, it got to the point where people stopped bidding on the food because they were waiting for the advantage in the challenge, which sort of defeated the initial excitement of the auction for the viewer, which was watching these people who were starving finally get to eat food, which brings me to my point B, Because the game is so much easier and these people are less hungry, I'm not sure that the auction would be as satisfying in the modern era as it once was. I hear you. Like, again, I push back on this less hungry thing because they literally don't get food. I know there's food on the island and certain tribes, like I remember Coco and 43 was eaten all the time. They were like, we got so much fruit. But I think depending on the beach you're on, That's not always the case. And they don't have rice like they have in the past, right? Yeah, but it's 26 days. I know. But I'll talk to you after seven days of eating whatever fruit you can find on an island. What island am I going to? (laughs) Hawaii? That one that nobody can go to in Hawaii. (laughs) Oh, my God. If you're ever looking for like a fun Wikipedia wormhole. I love island Wikipedia's. I've been following this TikTok that is about islands. It's about islands around the world. And they go to Google Earth and they tell you about the island and all the crazy stuff and history that happened on it. Do you know about Heart Island? Which one's that? It's in New York City. No. It just has dead bodies. It's a grave. From what? Well, it was used during the AIDS crisis, um, but it's still used today. You can now go there. You previously couldn't go there. I believe there's also a jail on Heart Island, um, worth a Google. There's uh, also a good documentary you can watch about it. Okay. You really brought down the mood of this podcast. Sorry. Can you burp in my mouth? I mean, <laughs> my nose. <laughs> and the final question here was, why are we getting consensus votes? Uh, because as he pointed out, we've had a lot of like seven ones. And Let's have that conversation. Finalists. 
And so what is it? I mean, I think the obvious thing is jury consensus. Uh, Jeff, I think, addressed whether uh, on his podcast, whether the jury needs to be sequestered from each other, which is really difficult to do and like really depressing if you're on the jury to like have to sit by yourself all day. But I mean, like there has to be some in between because that's the only thing I can think is that people are talking and they're sort of like having a hive mind mentality going into the final tribal council. I think it's that simple, but like, I think that this is such an interesting thing to like identify. And I think if we're using the rubric presented by Barstool Sports, that Survivor is broken, I would say one metric to look at to know that the game is fixed, and again, that's if we're using that metric, would be that we would have more um, spread out voting because, which I think this season we would have potentially had, had Carson advanced to the final because I still think Jam Jam would have gotten votes um, had Carson gone through. But yeah, you, I feel like you ultimately want there to be a second person who very well could win the game. It's not fun when it's one clear winner. I do have a not so fully formed thought on this and it's about the final three and maybe we would have more variation in a situation where we had a final two because in a final three, I think you have somebody like say a Xander or say a Heidi. No, no, Heidi got a vote. A Carolyn, right? Where they're like, okay, well, we're not gonna, we're not gonna throw our support behind this person. Collectively, we've agreed we're not gonna throw our support behind this person because we're between these two other people. And then the majority who are voting seven together on Jam Jam or on Erica or whoever it might be, um, they don't want to split their vote, so they're gonna go with the safe vote out of the three. Where if we had a two, then you're really actually backing somebody as opposed to trying to play a numbers game in your head of where the votes are going to fall. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't know that that's the case, but I feel like I would be thinking about that in a three situation where I I wouldn't want to like throw my vote away voting for Carolyn. And so I'm going to just put my support behind Jam Jam. Okay, I have an update about (laughs) this island in Hawaii. Okay, let's hear it. I knew you were doing something there. So, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So we could film there. It's called Ni Iwaha. Um, Its population in 2010 was 170, but it dropped down to a population of 84 during the 2020 census. And it's all Native Hawaiians that live there. However, we could film there because the island was purchased in 1864 for $10,000 by a woman named Elizabeth St. Clair. And would you believe she is white and Scottish? Um, Elizabeth St. Clair. Um, And the island's private ownership was passed on to her descendants, the Robinsons. So I have a feeling it would not be- a Swiss family? The Robinsons are, they were owners of a sugarcane plantation. Oof. So. <laughs> I think we should just stay away from this one. Okay. <laughs> we're steering clear. But yeah. I am intrigued by this island. Yeah, I'll be reading about that. We'll do a special. They speak Patreon Hawaiian as their primary language. I would imagine. Okay. I'm off of Wiki. <laughs> Keep the Survivor 44 page up, though. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Hi, Sean and Evan. This is Patrick from Newcastle, Australia. 
Still beyond baffled as to how Carolyn did not get a single vote, especially when I felt that Jam Jam was completely insincere in that final travel council. My question is, why didn't Carson vote for her? He was dance mumming her from the jury. She saved him. I'm just baffled. Um, we need her back. Again. Well, I love the use of dance momming as a verb. Yeah, me too. And it is true. Like of all of the moments that could have gone viral that didn't, like that is a wild moment because <laughs> it's like such a sustained moment of him. Yeah. You say dance, or he says dance mom, or they say dance momming, but I um, it was like conducting. It was Mr. Holland's opus. There was a lot happening there. Mr. Holland's um, opus. I don't think it's that crazy that he didn't vote for Carolyn. I think this uh, is on trend with something we brought up a lot, which is that I just don't think we got a lot of time to understand the depth of the relationship between Carson and Jam Jam. You know, I remember at one point saying on the podcast that I felt like Carolyn was the fulcrum and I didn't think that uh, Jam Jam and Carson even really had a, a working relationship in the game, only to then later learn, I think it was in the penultimate, if not the finale, that they were like kind of the most in cahoots out of the three. So I think this really just comes down to our lack of really being shown the story of the breakdown of the Tika three when it came to the two, two, two within all of that. Yeah. I think that that's a really good point. I was surprised that Carson or Franny didn't vote for Carolyn because Franny also had so much positive stuff to say about Carolyn and how she affected her outlook on life and, you know, how she affected her time in the game, etc. And so I really thought, and Franny really hesitated at the voting booth. And I am going to stand behind what I just said, that I think there may have been some calculation in not splitting the vote in the event that Heidi gets a few votes and then they don't want to split like two on Jam Jam, two on Carolyn or five, six seven. Is that how that works? Am I missing a number? But still, you could have this situation where, you know, some of them went this way and some of them went that way and Heidi ends up winning. And if they really felt strongly that they didn't want Heidi to win and they wanted to give it to one of Jam Jam or Carolyn who played similar games in cahoots with Carson, then they had to throw their support behind one of them and they chose Jam Jam. I would like to ask Carson this very question though. Okay. Here's a drop your buffs question. Hi, this is Kevo from Iowa City. Now that us Buffies have a new name for ourselves, thank God. I want to know, when can Buffies expect new merch? I want my Buffies crop top. I want my Buffies buff. I want my Buffies pillowcase. Please, I'm begging you. <laughs> Do you know about the Buffies, Evan? <laughs> I... I, I'm new. I'm new to the Buffy. I think that you missed this story because uh, Kevo actually posted in the Drop Your Buffs Patreon Facebook group, which is a little dead because it's on Facebook. Um, they posted, "Do you? Do we have a name as Drop Your Buffs listeners?" Which, like, we don't really, right? I don't think we ever came up with one. Because we didn't really have any listeners. Now we do. And, uh, <laughs> and so I put up a poll on Instagram for the patrons to vote on. What do we call ourselves? And the clear winner was Buffy's. There's the crossover between Buffy, Drop Your Buffs. 
Yeah, no, I'm it's clear cutesy. on that. <laughs> I'm not explaining it to you necessarily. <laughs> Jesus. Um, I, I like this. And also the fact that Sarah Michelle Gellar is a Survivor fan kind of is very fitting. Yeah, she's an honorary Buffy at this point. She's an honorary Buffy. <laughs> um, I'm great with it. I love it. Yeah. Uh, so new merch, like I can't promise anything. Uh, we can... <laughs> The problem is the merch costs money to make, right? Yeah. So it has to be designed. And then it's like really tricky to come up. I Like it's something I think about sometimes. It's like, what do people want? What would people actually want to wear on their bodies? And we've got the Drop Your Buffs logo. That one was easy. Um, that's fun. And then we have the Black Widow Brigade, which is like, okay, that's great. Like that's sort of universal to Survivor fans. It doesn't have any Drop Your Buffs uh, logo on it whatsoever, which is maybe my mistake. But um, <laughs> it's just a great Survivor piece. There's got to be other things. I just, it needs to have like kind of broad enough appeal that it's going to be worth it to create. Mm-hmm. And so if anybody has ideas, like by all means. Okay, um, so some ideas would be Kathy uh, peeing on John Carroll. Like a drawing of that? Well, that's quite a complex scene. Okay, then also... Tracy in Micronesia um, talking about her tits. <laughs> like, I don't <laughs> know if <laughs> how many people are going to buy that. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> I got nothing. Carolyn burping, or Jam Jam burping into Carolyn's mouth. I do think farting. like Carolyn with a uh, lobster finger. Carolyn or just lobster a lobster finger. finger. Carol, We also just a shirt that's all of... Carolyn's reaction shots from Tribal Council. Expensive. But then at that point, you're kind of like, shouldn't Carolyn be getting the money yeah, from that? Yeah, agreed, agreed, agreed. It's tricky when it comes to like a likeness because I've, we've, I've thought of um, I Can Get Loud too, right? Sandra, picture of Sandra with the caption, I Can Get Loud too." What the fuck? Wow, that's such a housewives quote if I've ever heard one. <laughs> uh, because that has broad appeal. And Sandra's sort of like distant enough that like, I'm not concerned about giving her royalties. Like she has $2 million mm-hmm. and she, this has been around for a long time. It's in the public domain at this point, as far as I'm concerned, where Carolyn's like brand new. I, f- I feel bad using her likeness to sell stuff. So it's tricky. It's really tricky. Famous quotes. Does anybody want a hat with a quote on it? A2 Brute. For my merch consumption... I used to think I liked a tote bag, but then I was like, once you got a good tote bag, you don't need more. Uh-huh. I think a water bottle is good merch. Oh, you want water bottles? I just feel like it's a very practical thing that many people need to have more of. Yeah, I'm really picky about my water also, bottles. Also, it's relevant to the show, right? Because it's like so they have their relevant. Canteens. And they have little tote bags. Buffs, the buffs are something I don't... that... Okay, oh. no, look. I, I know what you don't want. You don't want one. I've always wanted to have a drop your buffs buff, but you know what I'm scared of is that, so you have to go to, you can design them. Lots of people design their own buffs. You go to buffs, like the company buffs who makes the buff and you tell them, I want to do a custom buff. And so you give them kind of like the design and what you're looking for and they'll do it for you. And then I think you can buy them in like a batch. Now I'm scared that I'm going to go to drop, to buffs and I'm going to say buff, I think whatever they're called, I'm going to go to buff and I'm going to be like, I want a drop your buffs buff. And they're gonna be like, Oh, so you're using our name. You're using our trademark name in your podcast. So I almost want to steer clear. of That <laughs> That makes sense. <laughs> and because if we have to change our name, then what are the buffies? They're going to be the droppies. Not the droppies. <laughs> okay. Let's go to the next question. 
Hey, this is Bellamy from Chicago. My question is, if you could choose two components of Modern Survivor that you could eliminate, and then two components from Survivor's past that you could bring back, what would they be and why? This is really tough. Oh, I was going to say, well, the part two is easy. Well, what is it? 39 days, change the location. Oh, great. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, I would say, I was going to say the theme, the opening theme. Yeah, that would be number three. And then four would be the jury speeches. Yes. Okay, so you take those first two. I'm going to take the opening theme and the jury speeches. Now, what do we want to eliminate? I would eliminate Advantage Island. You can keep it. Okay. Adva- I'm not saying get rid of all advantages, but I just don't want that segment of going to Advantage Island and pretending to do a hike and all this nonsense. What if one of my things I wanted back was come on in you guys? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so things we want out. <clears throat> <laughs> mm. um, yeah. Uh, and <laughs> honestly, Jeff, I'm yeah. done with Jeff. I'm done with Jeff. I too. think there's zero value added. I agree. In fact, I think it's value taken away at this point. Can we make a poll about this at some point? Because I'm really curious to like <laughs> see it out there. Because what's interesting is looking at, I know I make these comparisons a lot, but like looking at RuPaul versus Jeff, I'm like so high on RuPaul. I feel like RuPaul continues to build iconic moments into modern seasons of Drag Race. Like I think RuPaul offers so much to Drag Race. And then also there's the idea that like, any queen that comes in owes like part of their drag to Rue. Whereas like Jeff, like is just the hosts of the TV show. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like and a mediocre one at that. Um, I don't know. Like there was a period where I, I didn't like Jeff and then I like came around on him and now I think I'm like over him. Yeah. I'm really, really over him. I will tr- truly believe he adds nothing to the show now and his presence at tribal council is a distraction. He's not getting his job done. He's not fact-finding at tribal council. He's asking for metaphors, and he's making jokes and laughing at himself in a really painful and bizarre way. And I just feel like uh, the show is less serious because of him, and I think that's a bad thing, because it's certainly not more funny because of him. And also on the podcast that he hosts, he does the whole like, we're going to do my favorite segment of the week. Why? Wait, what is it? Like, why, Jeff? Why this I suck? This is why or something? you suck. This yeah. is why you suck. And it's like, I love the conceit of that. But the problem with it is like, his approach to it is like, let's do an LOL segment called This Is Why I Suck. Uh-huh. When really it's like, no, you should take that like very <laughs> earnestly and be like, people think I suck. And like, I, let's get into that. But instead, he's like, sort of has this like glossy view about it, like that it's an ironic and it's like, yeah. no, Jeff, like maybe like do some introspection, ask yourself why you suck. Yeah. And the problem with, I, I thought there was a lot of potential to this, but th- I think they selected the entries for why Jeff sucks very carefully. And it was like, because I don't like this advantage. And then it was his opportunity to be like, well, this is why I think it's a great advantage. And so there was never any sort of like reflection on, wait a second, maybe this person has a point. It was it was like defense mode. And so I think that's all we're ever going to get from Jeff. So I'm but happy I also, to replace him. Yeah, also just thinking, and again, I'm sorry to keep making these drag race comparisons, but there's like a utility, right, to drag race, which is that they're like, they're judging, right? Like RuPaul ultimately decides the fate of these contestants. I feel like because we know the rubric of Survivor so much, 
there's no like real function for Jeff. It's really like there are some situations in which it when which it benefits to have an intermediary at tribal, but really only when it's like contentious. I mean, more or less, like those tribes could like, especially 44, for instance, they could lead their own tribals. You could have all the instructions given to the contestants about how the mechanics of the challenge work off camera. We don't need the play-by-play for these challenges, especially because we know them so well. There's just very little that he does. Like, there's just, there's very little use to him. Okay, you know those TikTok filters where you get, like, two yeah. options, and then you tilt your head and you oh, pick yeah, the option? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't worry, I got you. Uh, okay, we're going to play that. So, Jeff Probst or Julie Chen for host of Survivor? Jeff. Yeah. Okay, Jeff Probst or Bobby Bones for host of Survivor? Jeff. Oh, I would have gone Bobby Bones. Just for the laughs. Okay, Jeff Probst or Alan Cumming for host of Survivor? Jeff. Wow. Like, I love the idea of like Alan hopping in for an episode, but I just Mm -hmm. don't think he has the acumen to handle the conversations that would need to happen at Tribal. And I think that like, again, Alan is like an actor. He's performing, which is perfect for the traders. I don't think it works for Survivor. Jeff Probst or Tyra Banks for host of Survivor? Jeff. Jeff Probst or Claudia Winkleman as host of Survivor? Claudia. Yes. That's all I got. Yeah, no, I like that. (laughs) I like that. Uh, Claudia Winkleman or RuPaul as host of Survivor? Definitely RuPaul. I think RuPaul would be so surprisingly great at Survivor. And I think that... RuPaul is more authentic in his curiosities around human psychology than Mm. Jeff. And I also think RuPaul has a greater understanding of the spectrum of personalities than Jeff, someone who thinks that Jeff is someone who would say he has such an appreciation for people of all different mindsets and experiences and whatnot. And I'm not saying he doesn't, but I think RuPaul understands that better. Interesting. Okay. I mean, I see that. I think I would rather have Claudia Winkleman because she's so aloof. She'd be so consciously cool. aloof. And there would be so many funny survival jokes. We should do like a bracket of like, we should like put a, like a bunch of people in contention and like March Madness this. Yeah. I know there's other hosts. I just don't know who they are. Like who hosts mm-hmm. Love Island? Not sure. Have you heard about that show, I Kissed a Boy? In the UK. It's the UK's I first have. gay dating show hosted by Danny Minogue. Very your brand, no? Very my brand. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I have not. Uh, I mean, yeah, sorry. I, yes, I yes, I have. Wait, it. sorry. I, I don't sorry. know where to find it. Yes, yeah, I was going to say, yes, I've heard of it. I don't know where to find yeah. it, but I'm very curious about it. Very curious. It looked like they cast some characters. Mm-hmm. All right. What else do we have here? Hey, I am Ross from Pittsburgh. And I had a question for our Tika 3. Who would play them in the biopic? I'd love to know your thoughts. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Okay. First of all, Ross from Pittsburgh. Evan Ross Katz from Pittsburgh. Any relation? Mm-hmm. Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> Ross is just a middle name, yeah? Yeah, just my middle name. Yeah, okay. Okay, who should we start with? Uh, let's start with Jam Jam. I honestly don't know. Like, I have no answers for this because I don't know who anybody is. See, what's interesting about Jam Jam, and to his credit, is it's like he he doesn't sort of fit in with an archetype. Mm -hmm. Honestly, it's hard to say because there's a lack of plus size 
and I mean, obviously it wouldn't have to be a queer man playing him, but like it is going to have to be a plus size person of color playing him yeah. like that. We can't skirt. And there's just a lack of that in Hollywood. Um, the person who's coming to mind for me, I don't, oh, they were just on the most, oh, wait, this is actually maybe not the worst casting. They were just on the most recent episode of Lost Culturistas, and they're so funny. Um, Harvey Gu- Gu- Guilen, do you know who this is? No. I'm probably saying their name wrong. Um, they are on What We Do in the Shadows. Okay. I feel like that could potentially be good jam jam casting and they both sort of have that buoyancy in their personalities and likability what if jara sophia played jam jam <laughs> do I'm you know intrigued. that yara sophia is my favorite queen ever on rupaul's drag race i didn't know that <laughs> yeah well she is um so she's on my mind a lot i get it oh my god i think they, they have i have think they have similar energies so wait, I just sent you Harvey's Instagram. Okay. I mean, like, not no. Okay, let's go to Carson. Is Carson easier? It's like, I really wish we had time with this, because I think it'd be worth, like, sort of, like, hashing it out. I tried to give you the questions in advance, but you didn't want them. Yeah, that's true. I'm really marveling at my... I, I had my teeth bleached recently, and I'm, like, just... I'm seeing them in the screen, and I'm like, it really... I, I had hesitation about whether or not it worked, but it worked. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think like young queer actors. Young. They don't, what do you mean queer? Well, okay. Here's the curveball, but this could be interesting. Um, uh-huh. um, Elliot Page. Oh, yeah, I like that. I could see. I it. like that. Um, Troy Sivan. Okay, a little too thin. Well, Carson gained thirty pounds in three months. That's true. Well, Googling young queer actors, you get a lot of results. <laughs> why? So, sorry, why do they have to be queer? Um, They don't have to be. I just think it would be make the selection easier. Um, And then the other person that's coming to mind for me is Noah Galvin. Don't know Noah. Ben Platt's boyfriend. Hmm. Oh, wait, I found someone. Oh, my gosh. Ooh. I don't even know who this is, but this is this is it. Their name, his, his name is Jack Wolf. He is on the Netflix show Shadow and Bone. Isn't that the one that the other guy's from? The other person's from as well? No, you said In the Shadows or something. Oh, sorry. It's all the same to me. Okay. Someone named Jack Wolf. Yeah. Oh, big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Jack yeah. Wolf with an E. Yeah. Jack Wolf is playing Carson. And <laughs> Harvey, how do I say his last name? I don't know. Harvey's playing. I think we need like a, we need like a bigger name to like. <laughs> Well, but no, but maybe the big name is who's playing Carolyn. No, I, I'm sure of it. So for Carolyn, you know who I'm thinking of? Um, who played Mary Louise Parker's sister on Weeds? I don't know. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Not really. I only watched the episodes with Alanis Morissette. Jennifer Jason Lee. Oh, okay. Yeah, I could see it. I feel like that's like a fun, fun casting choice. Wow, yeah. she was bumped up to main cast for the final two seasons. I had no idea. Who's that really famous woman that people love? Laura Dern. <laughs> no. I mean, Laura um, Dern would be a fun... Oh, this is so embarrassing. Who is that woman who's in the car and she's like, help us, Britney Spears. Oh, Juliette Lewis. That's yes, Juliette perfect Lewis. Perfect casting. And they just killed her off on Yellow Jackets, so her schedule's Whoa, free. whoa, spoiler. 
<laughs> Are you watching it? Uh, sort of. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's okay. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> I, really I was going off of the fact that the cast posted about it now, so I thought it was no. It's like exactly. This is the point. This is the thing. Uh, I, I this set is our ongoing up. conversation. I set myself up. Yeah. I'm sorry. This is my fault. I'm barely watching it. Don't worry. I'm just like planning to watch it. I've only seen the first couple episodes. I've never seen it. I faked it. <laughs> <laughs> it's very Survivor esque. When Showtime reached out to me, they were like. Um, the, to do the red carpet. Oh, yeah. Like, oh. Didn't you do a whole thing? Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought you were a fan. No. Christina also, Ricci. Do you want to know another Christina fact Ricci? about me? Yeah. No, it's all fake. Do you want to know another liar? one? <laughs> yeah. I don't watch Succession. <laughs> I, I knew that. <laughs> <sighs> but I do watch Survivor. I've just watched the first two episodes of Succession. So don't spoil that for me. So I watched the last two. <laughs> mm-hmm. So... Just for the memes? Well, it began Did somebody the memes. fill you in on, like, who's who and, like, what's important, who to keep an eye no, on? No, you kind of pick it up really fast. Huh. It's like they're a family and they're all vying for power. Right. Still, I will say, though. seasons later. I'm going to go back starts. and... I'm going to go back and retroactively watch it. I will say it is worth the hype if from the last two episodes alone. Okay. Oh my God. See, the thing is, like, I've watched literally this week, I've watched the first two episodes and I've been like... There's so, it's just like seven middle-aged white people who all look the same. And I'm like trying to tell them apart. And I know one of them is Kieran Culkin, but outside of that, I'm lost. And so it's been a little difficult, but I also remember then back to Mad Men, which I found started very similarly, where it was like, I, I don't know who all these people are and I kind of don't care. And then Mad Men became like very quickly my entire life and personality. Mm. So I feel like it can get there. I just, I need to invest the time in like season. Yeah. One. The one thing that Mad Men has though is more iconic Women. female characters. Yeah. yeah. But they're not really like front and center season one. But wait a minute, sorry, while we're like tangenting here real fast, you have not seen Sex in the City? No, I've seen like four episodes, five episodes. Okay, I'm gonna, we're gonna table this, but Sean, I would have so much interest in pivoting Drop Your Buffs to a Sex in the City <laughs> podcast, because kind of like our approach with Survivor of like, you're the vet, I'm the newbie, it would be... So fun to watch Sex in the City with you. What, like from season one? Yes. This, so I'll tell you, like, there's a reason I've only seen five episodes, and it's because I don't like it that much. I mean, maybe I need to revisit it. It's been a long time, but there's Wait, just be- something that, like, d- like, just rubs me the wrong way about it. About what? About Sex in the City. You've not seen it. Well, I've seen a handful of episodes, and it wasn't enough to make me want to watch more. That's what I'm saying. Oh, Sean, it's... There's something to the character of Carrie that really rubs me the wrong way because it's so fake. No, I reject that. (laughs) I'm sorry, you're wrong. No. Like, do you see Carrie as a fully formed character? Without a doubt. And the take that you just shoddily offered up is an ill-informed one. I I really refute that and I don't... Like that, that is like what you're espousing is sort of like the 2023 take on Carrie. And that's just so, Carrie is so real that I think people have a hard time accepting her because she's so chiseled in her definition and people want characters that are more 
easy to box in. And the pro- and the thing about Carrie is like she's super like she's the girl next door, and then she's also the homewrecker. And it's right. like people have a hard time. Anyway, oh God. I mean, like I don't okay. know that. that. It's just like I just the the words as they were delivered, I wasn't buying them. But that doesn't mean that it's like, I don't, I've seen certain episodes. I've seen the episode with the P twice. It's like, I've, I've tuned in That's randomly on two different occasions. Oh, it was yeah. the same Wait, episode. I, I made a meme yesterday inspired by your, um, I could you just did? pour a little bit of, yeah, I'm going to post oh, I didn't it even soon. see it. No, I didn't post it yet. Um, oh. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, wait, hold on. Can we, can we at some point, cause we're about to go to the off season for survivor. Uh-huh. Um, can we at in least... which time we need to watch Survivor for the Patreon, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I want to watch the pilot of Sex and the City together. The pilot. Okay. So what? We're going to put that on Drop Your Buffs? Yeah. Oof. Okay. Yeah. Like, I'll watch anything. Is there... Let's think. Is there a Survivor connection... Excuse me. Survivor connection to Sex and the City? Is there a Survivor City? connection? Well, has there been a cameo... Because there was a lot of, like, Colby did Curb Your Enthusiasm. I don't think well, there was okay, a cameo. Well, Sarah Michelle Geller is a Survivor fan, and she appeared on Sex and the City, so that's coming to mind. There's got to be something closer than that. Has Jeff Probst Oh, oh my Sex God, I have it, I have it. What? Oh my God, Sundra was on Sex and the City. Stop. In Sundra a prominent role. Oh. We're posting it on the Instagram. Okay. She has a big part. Okay. Oh my God. Headline. (laughs) (laughs) Vanity Fair 2008. Being one of the only black actresses on Sex and the City was a quote, surreal experience. Sundra Oakley, who starred in one of, oh God, the paywall just went up. Hold on. Going incognito. Sundra Oakley, who starred in one of the HBO comedy's most cringeworthy episodes, tells all, quote, it's like, oh man, why did it have to be that way? Why couldn't it have been a different story? Wow. Not me advocating this show. Yeah, you said she was one of a, a main character. Should we watch the Sundra Oakley episode? There and recap you go. That? Oh my God, it's so good. Yes. Okay, perfect. And then we should reach out to Sundra and see if we can get her on. Oh my God, I would die. Wait, I'm going to message her now. Okay, this is, it's all connecting. Yeah, that would be really good. And then I'll I'll, I'll go in with an open mind, a, uh, an open heart, and see how, uh, see how I liked it. Okay. I'm not going to go in with any preconceived notions. I promise you that. How benevolent. Where would you say that the Sex and the City theme song falls in the pantheon of television theme songs? Top 10. Yeah, okay, I buy that. I know, like, I can sing it in my head right now. Where would it. you put the Buffy the Vampire Slayer theme song? <sighs> I know this is not, you're not going to be happy with me about this. I just like, it's not my favorite song. It's not my favorite. It's a little too rock and roll. I understand. It's got its moments, and certainly, like, when you're five seasons deep, you're definitely, like, yeah, you're definitely popping your bussy to the song in, in the middle of your living room. But, it, like, How? am I going back to it? No. Yeah, not, it's not the Six Feet Under theme song. How many followers <laughs> does Sundra Oakley have on Instagram? Uh, 12,000? She has 3,318. <sighs> That's not right. If you go to sundraoakley.com slash about... How many paragraphs is her bio? 
Three. Four. Hmm. I'm going to read the last one. Okay. In her spare time, Sundra loves to blast Peter Tosh, Third World, and old school hip hop tunes, study Tahitian dance and culture. She entered in and won first place in her division in her first Ori Tahiti competition just a few years ago, study personal development, indulge in all around self care, spend quality time with those whom she loves, hope for a day where she doesn't forget to actually press the send button on a text. <laughs> and dream of where next her passport will take her. She is based in Los Angeles with her husband and their two sons. I love her website. Okay. Well, uh, as I now, mentioned. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> no, this is still about Sundra. Can we? I have something to say about Sundra. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. So Sundra had an important role in Lost. Did you watch Lost? No, but I read the Vanity Fair article. I just started it. I haven't read it, but I'm gagging to read it i can't wait to get off this podcast to read it getting a lot of traction but like go read my buffy book i mean this is pretty true of most <laughs> i have like this <laughs> thank you no but my, my point is it's like is this i guess my question for people reading this is like are, are we past stories like this being shocking mm. because this is also a show from the 2000s where it's like give me a hit show give me this about like mad men or something more recent but like are we surprised that a show on network television in the 2000s had a chaotic and sounds like traumatizing experience for the actors? Not so much. Not for me, at least. Have you seen this thing about Desperate Housewives, how at the rap party for a Desperate Housewives, they gifted the crew luggage? And it was signed from all the actresses, including Vanessa Williams, <laughs> but not from Terry Hatcher. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. I didn't realize that. And she was on in the end? Oh, yeah. Hmm. Is that is there, like, lore around that? Yeah, apparently all of them hate Terry Hatcher. And so they all got together and got this gift without Terry. <laughs> oh, I didn't... Okay. Yeah. Terry Hatcher is a big icon for me because I grew up watching Lois and Clark. Yeah, same. And Dean Cain was, like, my first crush. How many... Yeah, he's so hot. But isn't he... He's, like, um... He's, like, a vaccine denier or something? Oh well. He's very he's very right wing. <laughs> okay. How many followers does Terry Hatcher have? Uh um 87,000. 501,000. Oh, I knew I was low. When you go to sundraoakley.com/events, what will you uh -huh. find? Uh nothing. Coming soon. <laughs> Stay tuned for more updates. I really like Sundra. True or false? Has Sundra authored a book? True. Correct. Do we have a title? We do. Why do I get all the kisses? A message of love from, from mommies around the world. Okay. Should we wrap this up? The Sundra discussion or the episode? <laughs> Both. I have one oh, more okay. voicemail that's totally off topic, but it's, we're, it's along this track. Yeah. Okay. Hey, Sean and Evan, this is James from Long Island, a uh, big fan. So I know that you guys are probably the foremost fans of the Back Black Widow Brigade uh, from Spider Micronesia. So I was just wondering because um, I was listening to Shackles by uh, Mary Mary 
the other day, and then I remembered that the Natalie Bolton was in the music video of that song, and I always thought that that was like a funny little thing that went unnoticed. And I don't know if you discussed this on the podcast before, but if you ever happen to uh, get Natalie on the podcast, I would love for you to ask her about that and get the story behind that. So I guess my question was, uh, did you know that this was a little factoid in uh, Natalie's history? Um, Happy Pride Month. Now, this is a song that I didn't think I knew, and then I looked up the music video, and I knew it. I'm just trying to find her. She's sort of like halfway through. She's like in an apartment, and there's a butterfly in front of her face. Oh, that's major. Okay, so this, what's more iconic, Natalie Bolton and the Mary Mary Shackles Praise You video, or Sandra Oakley on Sex and the City? I, well, I can only speak to one of them, and I have to say it's Natalie Bolton. But whose mother? Ask me again in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a great factoid, and you know what? We really need to follow up on Parvati's promise to connect us to Natalie Bolton because that would be an iconic interview. And I would definitely ask about her experience on the set of Shackles. Without a doubt, was the butterfly CGI? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah well okay anything else elizabeth Falarski. i got nothing so coming up we're going to begin our panama recaps for the patreon so if you're not subscribing to our patreon i love taking over your job <clears throat> no we've so- had a lot of people subscribe for the panama recaps Great. Just so you know, I'm really Great. excited. People are really excited. Somebody messaged me and said, "Are there? Gonna, is this going to be spoiler free? Because this is going to be my first time watching." I said, yeah. "No, it's going to be full of spoilers." Oh, okay. I mean, I just don't see how we talk about the season without talking about the winner. I just don't think how it's going to happen. Okay. And talking about the fate of certain players, like I just don't see okay, us I'm not gonna, going there. Are we releasing them on? Uh, uh, never mind. <clears throat> okay, yeah. Okay, sounds good. Um. So we will be beginning our recaps of Panama next week. Okay. And then we will get to the Sundra episode of Sex in the City. And then if Sean is down, we are toying around with the idea with all of our free time of doing recaps of And Just Like That. Yeah, we are. <laughs> you know, I was hoping you forgot, actually, because you're like, oh, all really? of a sudden you want to recap from episode one of Sex and the City. So it's like, well, there's no way we're going to do that and and just like that. But I'm down just like to that, recap and just like that. And just like that's 10 weeks. Like, I just don't think it's a big commitment. Mm-hmm. And also, we don't have to be like, whereas with Survivor, we're like on a time crunch around yeah. like, we have to record the next morning. But then just like that, it's like, we'll set a time weekly. And like, if it doesn't, I, I feel like... There's no pressure, but like, I do feel like people are going to want to hear us talk about it just like that. I could be wrong. They, yeah, sure. Or maybe they will. And I'm going to ruin it for everybody. And so that's going to be really fun. Don't forget, you can check out the merch that we do have at dropyourbuffspod.com. The link to that is in the show notes. Maybe I'll look at slapping the logo or the Black Widow Brigade logo on a crop top and a water bottle. Okay. Because that costs lieu- us nothing. Great. In lieu of a co- <laughs> an emoji comment on our Instagram post, please go to Azra's most recent Instagram post. I don't want what? her to feel bullied. You think it's bullying? Well, I just like, she doesn't know what's going on. Okay, so go to Azra's most recent Instagram post and comment with the yellow heart emoji. Oh, that's sweet. 
Okay. I thought you were going to say, yeah. I was going to say. I know, but we're not going to do that. Because if not. we say we're it, a... people will do it. I agree. The yellow do. heart emoji. Yellow heart Let's only. Let's her show feet. her some love. And maybe we should talk to Azra one day. Oh, I agree. Okay, wait. Let's do. Can we do some bonus points here? <laughs> sure. Okay, if you want to really, you want to be like in the in the fold, you're going to go to Natalie Cole's most recent Instagram post, and you're going to drop the orange heart. So, formal assignment: Azra, what's her last name? Valani. Azra, excuse me, I should know that. Azra Valani, yellow heart, mandatory for all listeners. Extra credit. Natalie Cole at Instagram. She is that Natalie Cole. Hello. And you're going to comment the orange heart emoji. I'm scared. Why? <laughs> you know, Natalie Cole said she would come on the podcast some time ago. She just, um, uh, <laughs> this was last summer. And she was like, get back to me in October because I've got my daughter's wedding coming up. And I was like, okay, oh Natalie. God. And I forgot, um, but maybe we should get Natalie on the podcast. But she thought we were someone else, but I'm not going to correct her. She was like, I would love to come on your guys' podcast because you were some of my first supporters. And I was like, well, we didn't exist uh, in 37. But yes, we were your biggest supporters. <laughs> so She's right. <laughs> I think she does. Were you like to us. question that? <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everybody who sent it in a voicemail. I'm sorry to those that we didn't get to, but they were either repeats or were just, this is a two-hour podcast. Uh, so thank you so, 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 so much. We love that people are listening and want to be involved. So with that, we'll see you for, and just like that. As are Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>